0: Welcome to the Sharing Our Journey podcast, a podcast ministry of Herodsburg Baptist Church. I am your host, Associate Pastor Jonathan Johnston. And today, for the first time ever, I am joined by my son, Micah. Say hi, Micah. Hi. Uh, Micah is joining me today as we continue in our series on numbers, preparation for promise. And if you listened to the last podcast, you know we talked about the first thing to prepare was your posture, uh, and Today, we're going to move on from that and see a story that I think is going to be familiar with a lot of our uh, listeners who have grown up in church, or, or uh, if you've uh, gone to Bible study for different things, you, you may have heard this story. But We're going to be in Numbers chapter 13 and 14, and uh, we're going to read select passages from these two to kind of give you the summary of this story. Uh, we're going to start Numbers 13 and Uh, verses 1 and 2, and then I'm going to skip to verses 17 and 20. And then we'll stop and talk about those for a little bit. Numbers 13, 1 and 2. The Lord spoke to Moses, Send men to scout out the land of Canaan I am giving to the Israelites. Send one man who is a leader among them from each of their ancestral tribes. Uh, Verse 17. When Moses sent them out to scout the land of Canaan, he told them, Go up this way to the Negev, then go up into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. Is the land they live in good or bad? Are the cities they live in encampments or fortifications? Is the land fertile or unproductive? Are there trees in it or not? Be courageous. Bring back some fruit from the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes." So, we've got this instruction from God to Moses uh, to send men to scout out the land of Canaan. Now, here's an interesting question God had promised the people of Israel the land of Canaan. Mm-hmm. So, why then do they need to scout it?
1: It's
0: a puzzling I thought, mean, right?
1: Probably because they were human. Humans never. I. Back then and still now, I don't think humans trust God enough. Even the ones that do trust God, they've had at least one time in the Bible, <laughs> where they've been
0: like, "Yeah, well, good plan, but yeah, I'm gonna add to it." So, so man has a tendency to try to do things our own way. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring that up. Because I know I hadn't told you this prior, uh, but in my notes, Deuteronomy one twenty two tells of this same event. But it's Moses talking to the people, and he tells them, "Remember, y'all came to me, and and wanted me to send scouts in the land because you you doubted whether the land was good. Mm-hmm. You wanted to make sure the land was habitable and." would be what God said it was. So the, the doubt that, that you just referenced was definitely in the heart of God's people. So this request, uh, in numbers it seems that, that this just comes out of the blue at the start of chapter 13. But the people of Israel had come to Moses and said, well how, how do we know, Moses, if Canaan is really as good as God has said? How do we know if we are able to take it? how do we know that we can live there i like
1: the fact that um even though god didn't intend for them to uh spy he even had it in the time for ripe grapes so that they had evidence to bring back so he yeah he didn't want it that way
0: but yeah it wasn't his even, request it was their request their doubt but he he orchestrated things where you know what I, I'll send you in at a time that you're going to be able to bring back the evidence you need, right? The, the evidence mm-hmm. you need to believe. And I love how God is that way with us. That when we doubt, um, He He's not uh, angry about our doubts. He's not afraid of our questions. Man, He'll He'll give us what we need to believe in His timing, and He does. He 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 comes to Moses. And so you 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 have no account um, in Scripture, even in Deuteronomy, of Moses going to God and saying, the people want me to send scouts. What do you think? But we know that that conversation had to have occurred or or God just comes to Moses here in Numbers and says, hey, I know I know what's on the people's heart. So here's what you're going to do. You're, you're going to send men to scout out the land and here's how you're going to pick them. You're going to pick a leader from each of the tribes. Uh, and so in verses four through 15, we have the names of those men uh, recorded there. Mm-hmm. And then in 17, it tells that Moses sends them out with instructions, right? He, he says, hey, uh, as you go into the land, you're gonna go up this way to the Negev, and then you're gonna go up into the hill country. Like he, he gives them the, the map. Well, had Moses been in the promised land? No. So where does that map come from? That came from God. God had told Moses, hey, this is, this is the way they need to go because, man, if you're sending 12 spies into land with other nations there, well, if they don't know the right place to go, what's going to happen? They're going to get caught. They're, they're going to get caught, right? And Moses is able to give them instruction to say, hey, this is, this is where you need to go. So again, we see God's presence with them, God leading them to say, hey, guys, go, go this way and while you're there here here's the things to look for right now i do wonder if some of these questions especially when it's asking about the people if they were strong or weak i don't know if that was so much god's question or moses at sure that point i'm not sure if that mattered i think that may have been moses's point that's that's moses being human saying hey one maybe he knows the people are going to ask Right? If they're already doubting God's goodness and, and the land, they're also gonna wanna know about the people. So then if we skip ahead to verse 26 in Numbers 13, we're gonna see the men do indeed go and they see everything. And then verse 26 is when they come back. Uh, and it says, the men went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back a report for them and the whole community. And they showed them the fruit of the land. They reported to Moses, We went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here is some of its fruit. However, the people living in the land are strong, and the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live by the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, we must go up and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him responded, we can't go up against the people because they are stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land we pass through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants and all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there. The offspring of Anak were descended from the Nephilim. To ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same to them. So this event takes place. These 12 men come back, and first they're talking to Moses and Aaron, but they're prepared to give testimony to the whole Israelite community. They show the fruit that they brought back, which if you read um, verse twenty four, uh, and and the verses there ahead, man, they they get a single cluster of grapes that they carried on a pole by two men. This is massive fruit, right? This is the evidence they bring back. And the report they give to Moses is what? Man, the the land is exactly as God said, flowing with milk and honey. Mm -hmm. But what's the problem? The fact that there are people all around them that but, they do not like. The people but. living in the land, man, they're strong and their cities are fortified and they start to doubt their own ability to take it, right? And then Caleb says, Hey, hang on, guys. We've got to take it because God told us to take it and, and surely we can conquer it. Mm-hmm. And then verse 31, look what happens with the men who had gone up with him and we know later it's 10 of the men because Joshua stands with him. They say, we can't go up against the people because they're stronger than we are. In verse 32, they give a negative report to the Israelites. So now they turn to the people and they go back on what they said. They told Moses, hey, the land's flowing with milk and honey. It's just as God said. But to the people, they say, the land we pass through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. Does that sound the same?
1: No. I've noticed in the span of two chapters, they've already doubted God. They've uh, been afraid
0: and they're lying. Yeah, right. <laughs> and Moses told them before they even went out to what? Be of good courage. Mm-hmm. And maybe they were while they're in the land, but then they come back and they turn into cowards.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they argue with Caleb, they, they lie to people. Mm-hmm. And I, I love, and I think this statement says a lot. The statement they make at the end of this passage says, to ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same to them. Do they know what the people of the land think of them? No. no. So we would call what they make right here an assumption, Right? They're making an assumption because they have no evidence to back up their belief. They're believing. So so believing something without evidence is the definition of assume. And we all know the, the saying, you don't assume because when you do, you make a out of you and me, right? There's a reason you should not assume because that's believing something without evidence. And they start it by saying to ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers. So it was their own view that was the problem. God has said, this land is yours. They look at it and say, but, but we are so small compared to those people. And they must think the same thing about us. They must think that we're tiny. I think, if, I think the problem they were making there
1: was if they're going to think about how someone sees them, they should think about how God sees them. Because if they're a grasshopper, to those people,
0: <laughs> right? And they're is God. Yeah. to God. Yeah, how, I mean, they're worried about these these and and the the children of Anak, as it says, or the descendants of Anak. Uh, the, these were giants, right? This this is the same line of people that more than likely um, Goliath, Goliath descended from, yeah. and his and his brothers, because we know he had brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are large men, no doubt the people they saw they they're not lying the bible doesn't say they lied about that right the bible says they they gave a negative report about the land you no know the size so, of you know what was the size of the grasshopper a rock yeah right god god used a rock to take goliath down so god clearly can deliver them but the problem is they're making this assumption right and if we move on then into 14 One through nine, we're gonna gonna see the ramifications of what happens here. So they give this report and they make this statement about the people and it says, then the whole community broke into loud cries and the people wept that night. All the Israelites complained about Moses and Aaron and the whole community told them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt or if only we had died in the wilderness, Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to die by the sword? Our wives and little children will become plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let's appoint a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell down with their faces to the ground in front of the whole assembly of the Israelite community. Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, who were among those who scouted out the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite community, the land we passed through and explored is an extremely good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land, for we will devour them. Their protection has been removed from them and the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. So the false report given by the spies causes the entire camp to weep and they start saying things that we look at now and think, how ridiculous. They
1: started saying things that they had said. So they had said, only we had died in Egypt in the wilderness. Right, yeah. When they were at the, the sea, yeah, they were yeah. saying, we should have stayed in Egypt.
0: Right. It's always go back. We can't back. stay here. It's always go back to um, what we think would have been safer. But in Egypt, they were slaves. Yeah. They had no freedom, they had no uh, rights. And And if you go back to the book of Exodus as well, their population had gotten so numerous in Egypt that the Pharaoh was having was their children killed as they were being born to, to keep their population down. Mm-hmm. So here they are saying, well, God's brought us here where our wives and little children are gonna become plunder, but they're asking to go back somewhere where their children were literally being killed. It makes no sense. Uh, they and, and tying back in with last week's podcast, uh, it, you also have to understand The presence of God is still in their midst. Their camp is still centered around his presence. They still move when he moves. They stop when he stops. They're having this discussion while his presence is in the center of the camp. What makes them think? Again, they're making an assumption. They are now assuming, well, if we go to possess the land, he's not going to go with us. He's carried them all the way from Egypt to here. He brought them through the Red Sea. They've seen all the things that he's done. And now because the size of the people and the fortified cities, they start to assume the worst. They start to assume that their children and wives will become plunder. They assume they're gonna die by the sword and they wish they could have died in Egypt as a slave, or they wish they could have died, as you pointed out, in the wilderness getting to this point. It's, it's just sad to see. And that's why Moses and Aaron fall down with their faces to the ground. They, they're moved to sadness and despair in the presence of God. And Joshua and Caleb, two of the spies who had seen the same things that the other 10 had seen, they tear their clothes out of out of disgust, really, with with what's happening. And they plead with the people by giving the true report. Hey, the land was exactly as God said it would be. And if He's pleased with us, what? He'll lead us into the land. He'll give it to us. And and you know, they had said that the uh, in uh, they said the land, the, the false report, they said the land devoured its people. Notice that Joshua and Caleb flip that and say, we will devour those people because their protection's been removed from them. God has seen to it like they don't have the protection because God is with us. Don't be afraid of them. They they plead with the people. Now, Joshua and Caleb are doing something opposite of assuming. Mm -hmm. They're doing something we call presume. Mm -hmm. They're making presumptions and presumption, the difference in the definition is where assuming is believing in something without evidence, presuming is believing something because of evidence you have seen. Well, what have they seen? Man, God delivered them from slavery in Egypt, sent plagues to convince Pharaoh to release them, spared all the firstborn of Israel while taking the firstborn of Egypt as the final plague. They've seen the Red Sea parted. They've seen literally God's presence in the form of a cloud, and the form of fire, leading them each step of the way. That's a lot of evidence to base a belief on, isn't it? So they're not making an assumption when they say, If God is pleased with us, he will give us this land. He, he in fact, has told them as much, right? God has said, I'm leading you to a place that I'm going to make yours. And so he promises them something, and Joshua and Caleb say, guys, all we have to do is believe what God has said. We don't have to worry about how to defeat those enemies, because he said the land is ours. The the rest of the details don't matter. They were living their lives, uh, again, going back to last week, they were living their lives in a posture where God was at the center, and they were ready to move. And the rest of the spies and the rest of the nation of Israel at this point, man, they, they had lost sight of him being in, the, in their center. They had lost sight of, of living in a posture ready to move. They, they wanted to say, hang on, let." We want to go at our own time. We, we don't want to die in 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 that land against these big people. And verse ten, you pointed out to me. Verse ten is where the real tragedy occurs. It says, "While the whole community threatened to stone them, <laughs> the glory of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tent of meeting." They are ready to kill Joshua and Caleb and Moses and Aaron all because they're presuming that what God has said is correct and they're they're speaking truth and in the face of that because they want to assume and they want to believe a lie they're they're ready to kill the messengers of truth i think that's what people are doing nowadays they,
1: they're they're assuming and they've made that they're truth and they're not presuming the fact that there's one truth because if you have multiple truths then that that can be a problem. They
0: can't all be true, right? Yeah. You can only have one truth uh, and, and you're right. Uh, today's time a lot of people do make assumptions and they oh, well, I think God is this way and it's not based on any evidence they have. It's based on something they Feel or in their perception, just as the children of Israel said, to ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers, and we must have to them as well. Well, you don't know that until you talk to them. In fact, if you read later, uh, after the book of Numbers, when the children of Israel actually go into Jericho, we read that the people of Jericho were afraid of the Israelites. I mean, the Israelites kind of, well, the, really? the, before the walls <laughs> fell down, the, the Israelites were when they knew they were coming, the reason Rahab uh, who lives in Jericho, the reason that she receives the Israelite spies, she pleads with them, "Hey, save my family because the God mm-hmm. you serve, we know that he's mighty, right? So the, the assumption that the Israelites make is wrong because what the people of the land really felt about the Israelites didn't matter about size. They looked and they said, "They've got whatever that cloud, whatever that fire is. That their God is with them." I think it's funny that the people in Jericho were actually more scared of God, right? Than the Israelites were. Now, by the time by the time the Israelites get to Jericho, it's a different story. It's right? a different story. But, but but in this but in this moment, they are looking to go in the Promised Land, and they, you're right. They're they're not a, like they they don't regard. The presence of God the same way that people who don't even know him in this instance do and instead they make assumptions and say well those people must be really brave they're really big they're really strong we're not going to be able to defeat them uh, and so because of that when God's presence uh, it says it, it appeared to all the Israelites tent of meeting he, his presence was already there we know that because they were camped right yeah. but what that means is, is there was something to call their attention that hey God's about to speak uh, and, and starting in verse 11 through the rest of chapter 14, we, we get the um, the account that, that God does speak. And because uh, these 10 spies, and because the majority of the people agreed with the 10 spies, God says, fine, you're, you're not going to enter the promised land right now. And in fact, <laughs> you, you're going to wander in the same wilderness you've been in, hey, I was ready to pull you out of there, but you're going to wander in there. And not a single person of age, so so all the adults who had a vote, mm-hmm. everyone other than Joshua and Caleb's family and those who, who said, hey, we're, we're ready to take the land, the ones who voted against, they're all going to die in the wilderness, which is what they wish for.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They're going to do that before God takes the children of Israel into the land, and He says, "Oh yeah, those those children of yours that you were worried about becoming plunder, they're going to get to enjoy the land. They're going to get to plunder. They're going they're going to get to plunder the land that you're you were worried about their lives. I I'm more concerned about their lives than than you are, mm-hmm. and I'm I want good for them, and you just want to protect them. Um, so it's a it's a stark lesson." Um, in how we have to be prepared sometimes when we're following God to presume. There's times where it doesn't seem clear. Uh, there's times where, man, we, we can see some challenges sometimes to things we may feel like God's leading us to do. And in those moments, you you have a choice. You can assume that you're going to fail. You can assume that all of a sudden God doesn't care for you. You can believe the lies of, of the devil when he says, well, did, did God really say this? Did God really promise you this? Because uh, that's what they were doing. Or you can presume based on evidence in your life, based on the countless times you've seen God work in your lives and all the times you can read that he worked in Scripture, you can choose to presume that, hey, if, if God was with them, he's going to be with me. And if God says this is my path, then then his plan is better than anything i have for myself, no matter what challenges i may perceive. I've never really
1: understood what the definition of wandering is mm-hmm. in this bit, like were they walking around or did he just leave them where they were?
0: No, they 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 uh, they travel around, um, so the same way. And that's the interesting thing about God and how good. So even he is.
1: while He was punishing them, He was still leading them. He was still this leading was crazy.
0: them, right? Yeah. Even though they chose to abandon Him, He didn't abandon them, and mm-hmm. He His presence still worked the same way as we talked about last week. That when it was time for them to move camp, He would He would lift and He would move, and they would follow, and they would set up camp. That still worked. It, it just meant that where he was leading them changed. Uh, he led them through, they, they stayed in that same wilderness region where no inhabitants really were and they wandered around in the wilderness and, and we know from other accounts in scripture, we, we know it was a period of 40 years uh, that now they were gonna spend in the wilderness um, mm-hmm. until those generations who had made that decision died. And so those generations were never going to receive the promise that he had given them because they assumed he wouldn't give it to them and so he, he, he makes that the reality he, he makes that what could have been a presumption uh, because they didn't choose to believe him at his word and believe that when God says I'm going to give this to you that he means it uh, even though Man, I love the fact Moses asked them to bring back fruit, and they did. You have a, you have a visible sign that God's word. Land was not devouring them. Right, you have a visible sign that, hey, God said this land's flowing with milk and honey and plentiful, look at the size of these grapes. And people still in the midst of that, like, we don't care about those things. We, we don't care about what we can see. We, we know that we, we are afraid that it might be this. And they went with that. Uh, So I think there's a great lesson for us to learn in, are we going to uh, lean into our fear, lean into our own understanding, or are we going to do, as Proverbs tells us, to trust in the Lord and lean not on our understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him, going back to last week, keeping him at the center, and he will direct your paths. And if they had if they had followed with Joshua and Caleb in the, in this moment, if the majority had gone with them, man, they could have saved 40 years of wandering and they could have uh, spared 40 more years gen- of generation, Generations that died who never received the promise. So for some of them, man, their reality, their existence is we got out of slavery, but we're gonna die in the wilderness because we did not trust God and his goodness enough to receive what was in store for us. Uh, and if you're listening to this today and you uh, don't have a relationship yet with Christ, I, I want to encourage you here to, to listen to the fact that Jesus did everything necessary to bring you into a relationship with God. And all you have to do is what these people failed to do in this moment. You, you just have to trust him for who he is. Trust him for who his word says he is. Trust him for the evidences you can see uh, in in creation and in uh, maybe friends or family that you have that are followers of Christ and see how God moves and trust him at his word. And he has said that he is the only way for us to be saved and he came to this earth, he lived a human life, he died on the cross for our sins so that we could be made right forever with God and that is so much better than than entering into a promised land as the Israelites were facing here. Uh, and we know that one day, all of us who belong to him, we will enter into his presence for a final time for all of eternity, and we will see the new heaven and the new earth, and we will uh, get to be with him uh, as as they had his presence in their midst. We would get to have the full presence of God in our midst, um, and, and we look forward to that. And if you are a follower of Christ who's listening to this today, again, we just want to encourage you as we we go through this series on preparation for promise, are you preparing to presume? Are you preparing to make the hard decisions sometimes in life based on evidence of who God is and who he has been in your life and his character, his nature, his goodness? Are you going to presume that even though you don't see the way, You feel God leading you that way, and and I'm going to presume that he's going to have a plan and take care of me um, as I go in this direction. And whatever challenges I perceive, he has an answer for those. Or are you going to be like the children of Israel and and make assumptions that are not correct, that are based in fear, that are based on your own uh, perception of yourself and your own ability? And that's the challenge for all of us as believers is which which one are you going to be? Uh, my prayer for all of us is that we would be Joshua and Caleb, that we would look at it for what it is and say, those people are big, but we're going to devour them because God has, has removed their protection. We're, we're going to conquer because God has given them to us already. Uh, so we hope you'll continue as we uh, to, to, to listen to us as we go through the rest of Numbers. Uh, over the next uh, five weeks now, we're in week two. Um, numbers, preparation for promise. Uh, join us next time on what has again been the Sharing Our Journey podcast, a podcast ministry of Harrodsburg Baptist Church.